I still have a memento of this particular meal on my dresser in our house because it, it was just one of these things for the ages. We'd gotten a recommendation, as a matter of fact, from Aaron Forsyth, who grew up in Virginia Beach. We were vacationing in Virginia Beach for a few days, and we said, we, really, we want to go to a, uh, you know, a decent place for dinner, you know, not just a beachy place. So where are we going to go? And I don't remember the name of the place at all now, but it was an Italian place. But we came in, and our waiter was probably in his mid-late 60s. And he was just exuded this care from the, from the moment we sat down. It was like he took us under his wing and was going to just show us the delights of the food that were offered at this place. And I just, it's hard to describe the qualities of it, but it really was like he just opened his heart to us and like we were family and he was going to show us the greatest time ever. And so he was making recommendations and, and helping us with things and showing us things and pairing wines and whatever. And, 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 we, you know, and we had walked in, we hadn't really dressed up, you know, and this was a place with like tablecloths and, you know, and the boys are in their shorts and t-shirts, but that didn't bother him at all. He just, it was almost like we were his only table and we knew that he wasn't because that, that guy was hustling, you know, he was going around. And, and I just, I think about that a lot because it seemed like or at least the face that he gave to us was that he really was enjoying serving us you know cracking jokes and giving us a hard time and helping us really enjoy that experience and so anytime I I read some of these scriptures about table servants which is a different sort of a thing than what a server in a restaurant is doing today but I think about how how does the church how do we, as people of God, how do we begin to move into a position where our servanthood could come from a real place of joy and open-heartedness? Not necessarily from a place of, well, I should do this. I should be doing that. I should be, you know, taking care of things. Because I think often, at least as someone who grew up in the church, it, it, it often felt that way. To me, like, like when the pastor would preach, it was like, well, you're supposed to be serving. And then if you weren't, so if you weren't doing a whole bunch of stuff, you, you, you know, you felt guilty. And I don't necessarily think that that's a great way to, to think about it because we have this generous God that gives us everything and invites us into a life of faith that is a life of servanthood and of giving. And I think it's supposed to be done with joy because as Presbyterians, we believe that our first responsibility, the chief end of human beings, which is the first question of our, the Westminster Confession is what is the chief end of man? It was written in a time when we use man for everybody. What is the chief end of man? What is it? They may know. Right. To glorify God and enjoy God forever. And enjoy God forever. Wow, that's pretty cool. Over the past several weeks, we've been talking about some foundational pieces of who we are as Christians, but definitely who we are as, as Westminster Church. 
And we've been talking about our mission, which is reaching out with Christ to an ever-changing world, that we, we believe we're supposed to be looking outside of the walls of the church, looking outside of our community to reach out with Christ in this ever-changing world, that the message and God is very much the same, but the ways that we, the ways and the things that we do and how we do it need to be responding and changing to how, to how the world is changing so that people can hear the word of God and the love of God through our actions and through our speech and through all the things that we do in, in a way that they can hear it today. And that our vision is, is that each one of us, as we follow Christ, that we would become the message of Jesus. This is, this is a, it's a sort of a translation from uh, one of the letters of Paul to the Thessalonians because he says, I don't even tell people about you anymore. You have become the message. Wouldn't that be something for people to say about followers of Christ in this world that they just exude this love and it feels like it comes from God? That that is where their heart is, that is, that is where they're, to become the message of Jesus. And we believe then that as we seek to become the message of Jesus, as we strive in that, that there are some marks of discipleship, some things that we, that over time, over history and tradition, that, that are helpful for us to, to live into the life of faith. And these are not checkbox things. You've heard me, if you've been here, you've heard me say, these are, this is not like check the box, now I'm a good Christian and I can go off and do whatever I want. You know, like, like my friends who were Catholics when I grew up, you know, they went to Friday night or Saturday night mass, right? Am I right, Jason Forsyth? Yeah. I uh, went, to, went to Saturday night mass. Why? So they could go get, you know what, right afterwards, torn up <laughs> and they could sleep in on Sunday morning. Whereas Protestants, you know, we, we, had, we had to face the guilt of the night before right away on Sunday morning. So it's not checkbox. It's not, I'm just doing this to do it. It really is, I'm seeking, to, I'm seeking to allow God to form me and shape me in the community of faith and on this path. And so I, I want to engage in these things. And so, and so we've been talking about what does it mean to pray daily? What does it mean to, what might it mean to worship weekly? What might it mean to, to be in a serious relationship of studying the literature, as I said last week, reading the Bible, really trying to steep yourself in it? And then, and then today, to talk about serving at your church and beyond, that, that that is just a core practice of us as people. And I love the verse that Jen read. I'm going to talk about that a little bit. And then I want to, I want to, read, I want to read this verse from Luke chapter 22 as well. A dispute also arose among them as to which one of them was to be regarded as the greatest. The disciples, you know, they're just dumb dudes. I mean, they're just like, they're just like me. You know, they just, they, 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 they're near Jesus and Jesus is this, is this teacher and he's this leader and they follow him around and then, and because there's more than one of them, they decide that there's got to be a pecking order. Right? They want to know because they really believe that Jesus is going to be like the next, the next king, basically. They, they believe he's going to lead a rebellion and he's going to be the leader of, the, of Israel and he's the Messiah. And so they're like, man, I want to be his first lieutenant. I want to be on his right-hand side. I, I want to be right there because I want that power, you know. And, 
And if you don't know that already, I'll tell you that I'm the greatest. It's sort of the Muhammad Ali syndrome, right? Dispute arose among them uh, as to which one of them was to be regarded as the greatest. But Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles, meaning non-Jewish people, meaning mostly you and me, the kings of the Gentiles, lord it over them. This doesn't happen today, right? We don't have any leaders in our businesses or in our, in our world that lord it over other people. Who, who make other people feel insignificant because they're so wonderful and great and have so much power, right? I mean, we've gotten beyond this, right? No. The Gentiles, the kings of the Gentiles, lord it over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. I preached about this a number of weeks ago, but they're called benefactors. It's like, oh, it's so, isn't it so nice of me to allow you to be my slave? Benefactors, Right? I dole out a couple of bucks here and there, and I, isn't it so nice of me? I mean, to lord it over people. I mean, I'm making more of it than this, but I mean, the language here from Jesus is pretty strong. But, and anytime you hear somebody say something and then they go, but, it negates everything that they just said, right? And they're moving on into a new thing. And so Jesus says, but, that's not for us. Just throw that kind of behavior out of here. Not so with you. Rather, the greatest among you must become like the youngest and the leader like the one who serves. For who is greater? The one who is at table or the one who serves? Well, it's the one at the table. But I am among you as one who serves. This one who they began to call, they called Lord They called teacher and then they began to call him Messiah. This one who we began to call the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The one that that became known as God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as part of the Trinity. He says when he's on earth with his followers, he said, I didn't come to sit at the table and to lord it over you. I came to serve. And that's what I want you to do. That's what I want you to do. Now, he didn't say, I want you to just let, your, let people wipe their feet on you and treat you badly and be mean to you. Yes, he did say turn the other cheek. And, and in many ways, there was, there was a lot of what we might call pacifism in, in Jesus's teaching. But I don't believe that, that he ever thought that, that people should be treated without dignity. And so even as servants, we are supposed to try to keep our dignity. And so don't ever let someone use this verse against you to say, well, you you know, you're supposed to act blah, 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 blah. You're not supposed to act that way. You're not supposed to, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm here to serve, yes, but I'm not here to be treated poorly. (laughs) Just like, I don't know if you've ever been in a restaurant when the table next to you is just not kind to the person that is serving them. I mean, this man or woman who's doing their job, you know, maybe they messed something up or, or whatever, but the table is just not kind, right? That's just, I just, that just drives me crazy. Like they're trying to do their job, maybe they're having a bad day, just be kind to people. They're serving you. 
But for us, as people of God, to serve at and beyond our church is, is what we are called to do as we strive in these, in these marks of discipleship. And part of what that is, is that is it, is it gets us out of just thinking about our own life all the time. It gets us out of the, the sort of the shell that we, we get in and we start talking about how, how bad everything is, how horrible it is, how we're not able, able to do this or that or the other thing because now when we're, when we're serving other people, when we're pushing ourselves out to be with other people, we begin to see what life is like for others. And I believe that it builds in us a capacity for compassion that we so need today. Compassion capacity, I think, in in our country and around the world, it it continues, 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 continues to shrink. And I think that is, should not be so with us. We're called to be a compassionate community. We're called to be a serving community. Not so that somebody can lord it over us, but so that we can show them who our Lord really is and what and what he was and what he is about in our world today. More and more and more. It's so interesting that Jen talked this morning, Elder Rapp talked this morning about the giving tree. Yesterday, Deborah Rexrode, who's been teaching us in our generosity class, which we'll have after worship today, she preached yesterday at our presbytery meeting and she read the giving tree to us. I think there's something in the air about generosity and about the giving tree. Because in a real sense, the tree in the giving tree, it gives its life. It gives up its life for the boy who becomes a man. It gives up its life. And that we believe, and many people have used that, that story of the giving tree to talk to that. That's about, that's about the life of Christ and that in some ways that's supposed to be the life of the church, meaning of, of the people. Of the people. We are supposed to be, the, another word for that is diakoneo. Diakoneo, which is servants. The literal translation is, I wait at table. I serve. Diakoneo, any good church people? What is that? Does you hear any anything? Any um, English word in there? What? Deacon. Deacon. That's exactly where it comes from. Diakoneo, deacon. We're called to serve. The other, uh, the other literal translation of this, which I love. Get ready for it. Kicking up dust. To be a deacon, to be diakoneo, to serve, is, to, is not to be passive. It is to be actively doing something, kicking up dust. Love it. You know, we should be kicking up some dust in our communities. We ought to be kicking up some dust in our homes. We ought to be kicking up some dust in our work as we serve the people that we are alongside of in every realm of life. It's not just about church. Stewardship is about every single facet of our lives. If our faith means anything to us at all, it needs to mean something to us in every realm of our life. That's why the marks of discipleship, because it gets it helps us allow God to be in every part of our life rather than be like, okay, I'm here at church, 5 p.m. on Saturday night. Now I'm going to go out and do whatever I want. No, I'm here to worship God and that then propels me out to be a servant.
to be in mission, to seek the best for others. And I also love what, what Jen said about where are you in that? You, know, you, might, you might be in a place in your life where you've just been given of yourself, given of yourself, given of yourself, given of yourself, given, and you haven't allowed God to give to you. You haven't allowed somebody else to serve you. That's, that's a real big problem for a lot of us. We think we've got to do it all. But we're a compassionate community. We're a community that relies on each other and cares for each other and calls each other to accountability, but also helps each other rest, helps each other discern what is it that we are called to do now? What are we to be giving and doing and being and living? How are we to be loving and caring? How are we to be serving? So I want to go back to this John chapter 12 because it relates to the giving tree. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. I grew up in an agricultural community. You know, if you just, if you just left some seeds on the table, they'd eventually dry out and wouldn't be worth anything. But if you planted them and they received some of what we're getting today, all of a sudden you see something coming up through the ground and it forms into a head. And, and I'll never forget, anybody ever get to do this? You get to walk through the wheat field when it's about harvest time and you pluck the head off and you take your hand like this and you go like that. Anybody ever do that? Oh my gosh. And so the chaff blows away and you have all the seeds that were produced by that one seed because it gave its life, in a sense, for the new life that we have in that wheat. And it gave more fruit, which then feeds more people, which then cares for others. And so Jesus says, that's, that's what we are called to do, is not to love our life in here so much that we lose the connection with the life everlasting that is all around us. And that is what serving and giving and reading the Bible and praying and worshiping and, and all of these things and being generous, that's what all these things help us do is to not get so caught up in our own life that we forget this life that Jesus has given us in each and every moment, and each and every day. Whoever serves me must follow me and where I am, there will my servant be also. And whoever serves me, the Father will honor. So may we, as followers of Jesus, May we look in our lives and see where, where is it, where is it that maybe we just love our life a little too much, or we're just a little bit out of whack with it. Where is it that, that we might serve and give of ourselves? Where is it where we might need to, to take a breath so that we can more fully be rejuvenated and be served by others so that we might be uplifted in our faith? How can each one of us and how can we as a church find ways to be those doulos, that table servant, to kick up some dust with joy? May we do so in Jesus' name. Amen.